church with churches everywhere across the country. And I don't know if you realize this, but your church is incredibly unique. I mean, to begin with, most churches that come to IJM asking for a speaker uh, are actually looking for their first justice partner. But your church already has a number of justice partners, right? And you still want to partner with IJM. So thank you for being a part of this incredible church. And uh, thank you for uh, having me and having IJM here this Sunday. You know, before we jump in, let me first uh, tell you a little bit about myself. You know, uh, when I tell people that I spent the first 18 years of my life in Mumbai, India, they usually think my childhood looked like this. Uh, because a slumdog millionaire. <laughs> but my childhood actually looked more like this. And this is actually the neighborhood that my family lived in before we moved to the US. So naturally, moving to the US was a bit of a downgrade for us. <laughs> But we live in Canada now, and Canada is definitely an upgrade from the US these days. <laughs> but let me tell you about IJM. And, uh, you know, it's true. My family has been blessed. And it's these blessings that compel me to be a blessing to others to do the work that I do with IJM, an incredible organization that your church is now partnering with. So IJM is the world's largest anti-human trafficking organization. And I've had, the I've had the joy of working with IJM for the past eight years now in three different countries. And uh, for the past 25 years, IJM has worked with uh, local justice systems and local law enforcement all over the world to rescue more than 87,000 people from slavery and violence. Praise God. But not only that, we've also helped protect over 10 million people. 10 million people. That's basically every man, woman, and child in BC, Alberta, and Manitoba from ever being subject to violence or trafficking. And we do this work as Christians because we believe that the God of the Bible is the God of justice, that the God of the Bible sees the pain of the oppressed. He hears their cries, and that he has come down to rescue them. But before we jump into my message this morning, I want to introduce you to my all-time favorite TV character. Now, this is Ted Lasso. <laughs> now, for those of you who haven't been blessed by an episode of Ted Lasso. Uh, Ted Lasso is basically this American football coach who finds himself hired by a big Premier League soccer club in England. And everyone is convinced that this is going to be a disaster, right? And for good reason, because Ted Lasso knows absolutely nothing about soccer or football, as the rest of the world calls it. But you see, as you keep watching the show, you realize that there's something really unique about Coach Lasso. Because everything and everyone that he touches moves from death to life. Everything that he touches is somehow miraculously transformed. 
I mean, literally, everything and everyone that he comes into contact with, his duplicitous boss, his underperforming team, his angry team captain, his prima donna players, everyone he touches is somehow miraculously transformed. Maybe you know someone like that. Maybe it's a business leader that you worked with who can just uh, walk into rooms and magically transform the environment of any organization that they walk into. Maybe it's a professor or a coach that you've had. Maybe it's you, but it's beautiful to watch, right? Now, I don't need to tell you this, but we live in a broken, broken world. For example, there are 50 million people in slavery right now. That's more people than the entire population of Canada, by the way. Here's another depressing statistic. One in three women globally have experienced violence, either physical or sexual in nature. And many of them actually experienced this violence as a child. In fact, one of the most pervasive forms of violence in the world right now is happening in this beautiful country called the Philippines. And actually, I actually get to visit our team in this country in a couple of weeks. But, you know, before the internet, criminals had to physically go into a bar or a brothel to sexually exploit little children. But today, because of the internet, criminals located anywhere in Canada can find a trafficker online and can find a child in the Philippines to abuse without even leaving their homes. Here's how this works. Someone here in Markham or Ontario can find a trafficker in the Philippines and can pay as little as $50 an hour to direct the live-streamed abuse of little children. Now, these, these, these perpetrators might be shielded by the virtual nature of the internet, but let me assure you, there is absolutely nothing that's virtual about this crime. Because little girls and little boys, like your girls and your boys in the Philippines, are forced in front of a camera, and they're abused in ways that I'm not even going to begin to describe in church this morning. There are an estimated 750,000, 750,000 predators online right now looking for children in the Philippines to prey on. Over the past 10 years, my colleagues at IJM Philippines have helped rescue more than 1,000 children from this type of slavery. Praise God. But just because I know that some of you are going to come to me after the service and ask me, Joash, how old is the youngest child that your team has ever rescued? The youngest child we ever rescued was two months old. You know, one of these girls who we helped rescue, her name is Ruby, and I actually get to speak at a Canadian church with Ruby later this year, but... Ruby tells us of a time when she went to bed one night, screaming, God, if you're real, God, if you're real, get me out of here. Do you know what? The very 
next morning. The very next morning, IJM staff showed up with local police, and we rescued Ruby and three other children. Praise God. Yeah, you can clap for that. You see, as Christians, when we see these statistics, when we hear these stories, we feel the need to do something about this, right? Many of you have probably watched this movie that's out in theaters right now, and you feel the need to do something about this. But if we're being real, if we're being honest, many of us in the church struggle with articulating why, as Christians, we should even do something about this. Why, as Christians, we should even care about this, right? We know we're supposed to do something, but we're not really sure why. And if we're being even more real, our non-Christian neighbors, secular culture, and young people outside the church don't really see the Christian faith as relevant to some of the biggest justice issues around the world today. Because the gospel, or the good news of Jesus Christ, isn't really preached in a way that feels like good news when compared to the bad news of injustice. Jesus has resurrected from the dead. Great. Now what? What does that mean for the injustices around the world today? Become a Christian. Join the church. Great. Now what? What does that mean for the bad news of injustice around the world today? I'm going to try to answer these questions by pointing us to Acts chapter 1, verses 3 to 11 this morning. Acts chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. But before we jump in, let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for the opportunity to open up scripture before this inspiring church. And so God, I pray that in these next few minutes, I may decrease so that you may increase and that all other voices would fade away so that your voice through scripture would be the loudest voice in the room. And now I'm going to ask you, if you're comfortable, you take a moment and you talk to God in your hearts and you ask God to teach you something new from scripture this morning. Let's do that for a few moments in our hearts. And now if you would, I'm going to ask that you pray for me that my words would be helpful in pointing you to Jesus and his good news this morning. Let's do that for a few moments. Father, we love you. Use this time for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today we're going to look at a problem, a solution, and a response. A problem, a solution, and a response, if you're taking notes. Here's the problem. The problem is our failure to understand the full impact of the resurrection. Our failure to understand the full impact of the resurrection. How do we do this, Joash? I'm so glad you asked. Here's how we do this. Here are a few ways that we do this. Number one, our understanding of the impact of the resurrection is too narrow. It's too narrow. And it's not just us. 
In verse 6, we see the apostles, the chosen ones of Jesus, do this too, right? Right after Jesus tells them to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Oh, Jesus, dude, we thought you were dead. Thank God you're alive. Now, you're going to give us political power, right? No. Too narrow. You know, it's not, just the, it's not just the apostles and the disciples who do this. You and I do this too. Some of us think that Jesus rose from the dead to give Christians political power. It's this whole thing called Christian nationalism. You can look it up. Some of us think that Jesus rose from the dead to give us success with our businesses or our personal finances. Some of us think that Jesus rose from the dead just so that we can peacefully die in our sleep and go to heaven. But that's too narrow. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus can easily do these things if he wants to. But that is not the point of the resurrection. Here's the second way we fail to understand the full impact of the resurrection. We over-spiritualize a significant physical event. We over-spiritualize a significant physical event. You see, the resurrection of Jesus wasn't just a spiritual event. Now, yes, the resurrection of Jesus points to the spiritual reality of us being raised from death to life spiritually, absolutely. But the resurrection of Jesus is a lot more than just that. Because when we over-spiritualize the resurrection, as we often do in the West, we miss out on what's obviously staring us in the face. That the resurrection, the resurrection is first and foremost a physical event. It's an event of Jesus defeating death, a current physical reality, as all of us who have lost loved ones in the church know. But Jesus defeating death also points to a future physical reality, the resurrection of life. Because what God has done for Jesus, he'll also do for us one day who are in Christ. And what God will do for us, he'll also do for all of creation one day. This is the full impact of the resurrection. And if we're not careful, like the apostles in this text, we can also miss out on understanding the full impact of the resurrection. Here's the third way we fail to understand the full impact of the resurrection. We underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit. We underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know if you've caught this in the text, but the Holy Spirit is a pretty prominent character in Acts chapter 1. And not just in Acts chapter 1, but arguably throughout the entire book of Acts, you see the Holy Spirit as a central character. In verse 8, Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But why do, we need, why do we need power from the Holy Spirit? Why can't we just get our power from a bunch of Tesla batteries, right? And, and what is it that the Spirit 
empowers us to do. Here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 19. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is what the Spirit empowers us to do, to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, to set the oppressed free. And the same Spirit who empowered Jesus to do these things also lives in us today and is also empowering you and me to do what Jesus came to do, to be witnesses in our world in this way, to bring about the healing and the restoration and the renewal of life in our world today. Here's the fourth way we fail to understand the full impact of the resurrection. We choose spectatorship over action. We choose spectatorship over action. Look at what happens right after Jesus tells his apostles what to do. Verse 9. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who's been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. You know, there's a lot of humor in the subtext of this text. Imagine being one of the apostles who was with Jesus. I mean, this guy had literally just been raised from the dead, right? And now, out of nowhere, he's snatched up before your very eyes and taken up into the skies. Now, obviously, if you're an apostle, all you can do that moment is just stand there looking up into the sky, wondering what has just happened, right? And if, if we're being honest, you could probably stay there standing, looking up into the sky for the rest of your life. Yeah, this is what a lot of us are tempted to do in the church, right? We have this powerful moment of putting our faith in Jesus, and then we come to church, we do all the church things, and then we forget to do what Jesus tells us to do after putting our faith in Jesus. We forget to be witnesses. We forget to take the good news to the most lifeless places on earth because we're so caught up looking into the sky and marveling at what God has done for us that we forget to tell others about this. We forget to proclaim this to others with our lives. Obviously, God had to send them two angels to snap them out and tell them, what are you doing here? Why are you still looking up into the sky? Go and do what Jesus told you to do. So we talked about a problem, our failure to understand the full impact of the resurrection. Jesus has been raised from the dead and has ascended into heaven. Great. Now what? What are we supposed to do with that? Let's move to the solution. 
The solution is found in Jesus' command in verse 8. And you will be my witnesses. And Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Be my witnesses. The solution to the world's failure to grapple with the full impact of the resurrection is to be Jesus' witnesses. But that begs the question, witness to what? What are we supposed to be witnesses to? The answer to this is found in verse 3. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. Witnesses to the body of Christ. This same body that was unjustly tortured just a few days ago and crucified beyond any hope is now brimming with hope, brimming with life, brimming with purpose. Go and tell the world that this God-man has defeated death and has been raised to life. Go and tell the world that even in the darkest places, God's light will still shine through. Go and tell the world that when Jesus said, it is finished on the cross, he was talking about slavery, violence, and oppression too. Go and tell the world that evil and injustice will not have the final victory because God is a God of life. God is a God of life. But we're not just called to be witnesses to the body of Christ. We're also called to be witnesses to the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because the same Spirit that raised Jesus from death to life is living in us. Right? And the same Spirit empowers us to do what Jesus did by going to the most dead places on earth and bringing life to these lifeless places. But that's not it. We're also called to be witnesses to the transformative touch of Christ. Because Jesus, in some ways, is like Ted Lasso, right? Wherever he goes, whatever he touches moves from death to life. We see this all throughout the Gospels with the life and ministry of Jesus. Wherever he goes, whatever he touches moves from death to life. Dead people come to life. Demon-possessed people are set free. People with lifelong medical conditions are healed because this is who Jesus is. And this is what his body does. And this is also what his body, the church, is supposed to do. Through the resurrecting power of the Holy Spirit, Especially, especially after the physical body of Jesus is taken up into the heavens. You know, St. Teresa of Avila, she was a medieval nun, and she once said this. She said, Christ has no body but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes. You are his body. 
and you will be my witnesses. Here's a question for us. Are we good witnesses? Are we good witnesses? Are we being good witnesses? Here's the thing. If you call this church UAC, your church home, you are actually being a good witness. Now, why do I say that? Well, to begin with, your church has a very holistic view of mission. And just like the early church, you don't just care for people's spiritual needs, but you also care for their physical needs, just like Jesus did, just like the early church did. And this is evident from your church's missions partners, your local missions partners, as well as your global missions partners, like IJM. You know, people say that they care about justice, but your church is actually doing something about justice. And I'm so thrilled. I'm so thrilled that your church has chosen a partner with IJM because when you join us in this work of bringing life to the most lifeless places on earth, you are witnessing to a broken world about a future physical reality. A world that God promises to us when Jesus returns. A world where every woman and every child is protected from trafficking. A world where every tear is wiped away. A world where God's justice is fully restored here on earth as it is in heaven. So we talk about a problem, our failure to understand the full impact of the resurrection and our failure to live in the full impact of that resurrection. We talked about a solution, being witnesses by bringing life to dead places on earth. Let's now talk about the response. Now that you know all this, now that you know the full impact of the resurrection, what are you gonna do? I wanna give you three ways to respond to what you've heard this morning. Number one, step out and courage. Step out and courage. You know, it took the apostles courage to step out from spectatorship to action. And they stepped out in courage, as we see throughout the book of Acts. The early church, historians today will tell you that the early church was known for its love. And it was known for its passion for justice. For bringing life to the most lifeless places on earth. And this is actually why, if you ask most historians, Christianity spread rapidly all throughout the Roman Empire. It was because of their passion for justice. Match the courage that these women and children in slavery live as they experience violence. Be one of those brave rescuers that surrounds them, that protects them, that frees them. Be a part of that relief that a team of God's army surrounding them. How is God leading you to step out and courage for justice around the world today? Number two, step out in self-denial. Step out in self-denial. You know, to be a witness also has a deeper meaning. The New Testament Greek word for witness in this text is actually this word, Marturis in the Greek. And Marturis is where we get the word martyr from. You know, martyrs are people who give up their lives 
for witnessing for Jesus. Because being a witness for Jesus will always cost you something. Always. If you don't believe me, just ask John the Baptist. If you don't believe me, just ask Jesus. Just ask his 12 disciples. Just ask the early church. Just ask Rosa Parks. Just ask Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who was assassinated for being a witness for Jesus and justice. Just ask his successors today who are advocating for the dignity of black and First Nations lives. Does being a witness cost us something? Does being a witness cost you something? Are you moving things around in your household budget so that witnessing costs you something? Are you moving things around in your calendars so that justice costs you something? And if not, what priorities do we need to realign so that our priorities are in line with God's priority and so that being a witness actually costs us something? And finally, step out in generosity. Step out in generosity. Now, why generosity? We're generous towards others because Jesus was first generous to us by laying his life down. We're generous towards others because God the Father was generous to us by sending us God the Son. We're generous towards people in oppression because Jesus was first generous to us while we were still oppressed by our sin. You know, it doesn't really take a ton of investment in IJM's work to see an impact. Uh, take, for example, the crime of child sex trafficking in the Philippines. And you can click through the end of that slide. You know, in one of the cities in the Philippines, in one of the cities in the Philippines, IJM reduced child sex trafficking by 86%. 86%. And guess what? It only took 500 rescue operations and 100 arrests to do that. Again, almost ending child sex trafficking in one city in the Philippines, and that takes 500 rescue operations. And one rescue operation costs approximately $10,000. That's it. This is very doable. Now, even, even as I share that, I can see some of your wheels spinning in this room. And a lot of you, especially the business folks in this room, you're probably thinking, you know what? $10,000 for one rescue operation? My business had a great quarter. My family had a great year. Like, we can fund a rescue operation in the name of our church. Awesome. If that's you, talk to Pastor Daniel, talk to your pastors. Or come and talk to me after the service at the IJM table, and I promise you, we'll put your funds to good use. But I also want to throw out another opportunity that I think all of us here can jump into. Because even as I share all this, I get the sense that the Spirit's moving here this morning. And I've felt that all throughout our worship service today. And even before, when we were praying up here for this, inviting the Holy Spirit and you know what the Holy Spirit does? The Spirit pulls us into the Spirit's work of renewing life, renewing all things until Jesus returns, right? By 
justice being one of them. And, and you're probably sitting here thinking, you know what, I love that my church is partnering with IJM. I love that my church is partnering with IJM, but Joash, what can I do to get involved? How can I jump into the work of IJM from right here in Markham with what God has blessed me with? If that's you, I want you to respond by becoming a freedom partner. And I think all of us can do this. Let's actually do this together. Um, let me see your phones in the air. Let me, see, let me see your phones in the air. I know we all have one. And here's why I'm asking you to pull out your phones. Because this device right here has been used by the enemy for so much evil in the world today. But we're going to take this device out and we're going to put it to use for good by sending rescue today. So go ahead and scan this QR code while you have your phones up. Go ahead, scan the QR code, and let me give you a moment to actually do that. Now, what's a Freedom Partner? Freedom Partners are a community of generous IGM supporters all over Canada who give $50 a month or more to support urgent rescue needs, month after month. Now, $50 a month is the equivalent of one aftercare kit for one rescued child every single month. Now this is basically what we give a child after we rescue him or her from trafficking. And this has the basic comforts like toys and snacks and blankets and just the basic things that a child would need after we rescue them, after they're safe from the trauma they've endured. Now, even as I share that, I can see some of you in the room right now and I think I think many of you here, many of you here are thinking, wow, like, I could do this. Like, God has blessed our family, especially the dads in the room. You're looking around your family and you're thinking, we can, we can do this for two children a month at $100 a month. It wouldn't even cost us anything. We can do this for five children a month at $250 a month. Awesome. Do that with us. Use your blessings to be a blessing this morning. But here's another reason why you should also sign up as a freedom partner here at this church service today. You know, one of our donors is so inspired by your church, so inspired by what we're doing here this morning, that they have told me that for every single person at UAC that signs up as a freedom partner today, or after the service, they will match your giving for the first six months. So what does that mean? If you sign up, Today, at $50 a month, that becomes $100 a month. If you sign up at $100 a month, that becomes $200 a month. And $250 a month becomes $500 a month. So take advantage of this opportunity and sign up with us today. To join us as a Freedom Partner, just fill out the online form, or you can go to ijm.ca forward slash UAC. Again, that's ijm.ca forward slash UAC, like your church, and you can sign up there. Uh, or you can come to the IJM table after the service uh, if you prefer a physical, something physical instead of online and uh, uh, physical forms for you there as well. So today we looked at a problem, a solution, and a response. The problem is our narrow understanding of the resurrection. The solution is to be 
a witness. And the response is to respond in generosity by joining God and joining your church and joining IJM and bringing life to the most dead places on earth. Ted Lasso brought life to a once dead soccer club. You and I can also bring life to the most lifeless places on earth by being a witness. So go and be Christ's witnesses. In Markham, in Canada, in the Philippines, and to the ends of the earth. Let me pray for us as the worship team comes up. Father, thank you for the people of this church that inspire me, that inspire us at IJM. And thank you for the generosity that they've already shown towards our work at IJM. And so God, I pray that you would just meet everyone where they are in this moment. I pray that you would take what you've done in our hearts this morning and that you would draw us unto yourself and your work of making all things new and all of creation so that everything on earth would be as it is in heaven until you return, until your son returns. Father, we love you. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen.